Hello everyone, and welcome to the third episode of English with Tim. I'm Tim Sexton, a polyglot, world traveler, and English teacher from the United States. English with Tim is the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail, so you can bring your English to the next level. In this episode, I'm going to do something a bit different. I'm going to talk about my trip in January and February of this year to three cities in Tajikistan. So, what was I doing in Tajikistan? So, um, I was working for an organization that um, helps decide which high school students from different countries around the world, but especially in former Soviet countries, um, are ready for an exchange year in a U.S. high school. So you have kids, for example, from Serbia or Poland or um, Kazakhstan or Estonia or wherever, and um, we interview them and help decide if they're ready to go to the United States. Um, the first step of that actually is that we read some of the texts that they write. The second part is that the organization sends American recruiters to um, different countries where we have been assigned and we help um, carry out the interviews with a local interview partner. So originally I was um, told that I would go to Moldova and Poland and um, when I was most of the way through Moldova, I was there for about six weeks, um, the organization contacted me and asked me if I wanted to go to Tajikistan and at first I thought not really. Um, and then I thought about it and I thought you know what? This is a real opportunity. This is a place that I've never been to. Um, they're paying for it. You know, I'm going for work. Um, and as much as I wanted to see my friends in Warsaw, um, I really wanted to see a new place because I hadn't been to a country really outside of my comfort zone in, in a long time, like maybe over 10 years. Um, so, um, what were my first impressions? I got there um, at the um, in the last week of January, and when I arrived, um, it was pretty late at night. It was around um, 10, well, no, it wasn't too late. It was about 10 o'clock, um, and we had to go to the passport check, and everyone mobbed the passport check. Oh, my God. Um, there were several hundred people there from our flight, maybe 250, 300 people, and there was no line. This didn't really surprise me because I had just been to uh, Bangladesh um, and also the the concept of a line, waiting in line, um, was pretty foreign um, there. So it wasn't a shock to me, but wow, it, you know, it took a long time to get through. Um, and so once I finally got through, um, I saw outside and saw that it was quite cold and snowy. Um, I hadn't really looked at any photographs, and I was—I um, didn't even really check what the weather was going to be. Um, but it was colder and snowier than I had thought. Um, and outside, I could see a lot of five-story Soviet buildings. And if you've been to a post-Soviet country, um, you know, you've seen a lot of these five-story apartment buildings that were built in the, you know, late 50s up through the 60s and 70s. Um, and so, you know, we drove past a lot of these five-story buildings. There were no tall buildings really on the way from the airport to my hotel. Um, when I was taken to my hotel, um, well, I 
would I was norm, normally I would sleep in a um, an apartment that I would find myself, but the organization couldn't find an apartment for me, and the market for apartments was very tight. So poor me. Well, they put me in a four-star hotel. Um, so um, the inside of it was really really nice. Um, on the back wall, um, in the um, the kind of uh, restaurant area, there was a very big mural um, with pictures um, from Persian poetry. So the most famous uh, Persian poet um, was Rumi, and so the the hotel was called the Rumi, and there were um, scenes from from his poetry on the wall. Um, and um, so, what did the people look like? Um, actually, that's an interesting question. Um, you could see people that, um, to my eye, looked Middle Eastern. You know, they had um, uh, black hair or very dark brown hair, um, and and black, you know, very dark brown eyes, and um, skin color was a little bit a uh, little bit darker. And I've not been to the Middle East really, um, but this I have met people from there, and it, they looked to my eye, you know, what I imagined people from um, from Iraq and Iran look like. Um, you could also see some people who looked East Asian. One of my colleagues um, looked to me very East Asian. Um, he told me that he had spent some time in China learning Chinese, um, and the people there never thought that he was, you know, from there. They they knew that he was from somewhere west of them. Um, but to me, he looked um, quite East Asian, and he obviously had some East Asian blood in him. Um, you also could see people who had very white skin and green or blue eyes, um, and some of them had, you know, um, blonde hair. Not, you know, like you know, nearly white hair like you might see from somebody in Sweden or something, but, um, you know, kind of a chestnut color hair, light brown. Um, I remember one of the people that I interviewed had black hair um, and uh, very clear blue eyes. Um, I did not expect that people would um, have this kind of appearance. Um, I wasn't too surprised because this uh, part of the world, Tajikistan, is, you know, it's a crossroads for many different cultures, um, and in ancient times, a lot of, um, a lot of different cultures traveled through there, you know, doing trade with distant parts of the world. Um, so what places did I visit? Um, well, first, obviously, I went to Dushanbe. Um, it's a city which has um, a Soviet feel to it. Um, you have a lot of big, impressive government buildings. Um, and in fact, the city in its current form is relatively new. It was developed in Soviet times. It became the capital of Soviet Tajikistan um, in 1925 or 1926, and it was renamed Stalinabad. Um, and at the time, it was actually three small villages, and um, they grew up afterwards, after it became um, you know, a more important place in the Soviet Union. Um, you could see in some parts of the city um, these five-story buildings that I told you about. Um, in other parts of the city, people were living in houses, um, and you know they were relatively well-made um, and, and relatively large. Um, they were simple in construction, but you know they were not small. Um, and the city is um, has kind of the shape of a teardrop, and it's surrounded by um, low hills and then and then mountains. And when you look at some of the hills that are on the edge of the city, you can see, um, you know, that there are people living up on these hills also in, in houses. Um, 
So other things that you can see in the city, um, you can see some really impressive monuments. Um, you can also see some buildings um, that are recently built or are still under construction um, that were built with Chinese money. Um, you can see signs on the side of them with things written in Chinese that I don't understand, and also things written in Russian um, saying that you know the friendship between Tajikistan and China is is uh, permanent, it's eternal. Um, so. That's Dushanbe. The next place that I visited um, was Bokhtar, but to go there, we had to, me and my interview partner, local interview partner, um, had to drive there. So we drove to Bokhtar, and it was, you know, it was about a two and a half hour drive um, because it was in the mountains, and um, it was pretty snowy at the time still, um, and it was unusually snowy because it's not normally um, like that in the winter. Um, although in the mountains it can be so. Um, 95% of the country, it's important to note, is mountainous. Um, the country is just a bunch of mountains, honestly. Um, if you want natural beauty, this is an excellent place to go. If you want um, more ancient beauty like buildings, you know, uh, mosques and temples and fortresses and things, you should probably go to Uzbekistan. Um, but I love love um, natural beauty and hiking, so I had a great time there. Um, so on this drive to Bokhtar, Bokhtar is in the southwest um, of the country. And um, on the road there, the you don't go to a very high altitude. Um, and the scenery, you know, was um, interesting because it was the first time I had been in the country. And I got my first look at some Tajik villages. Um, they're made of relatively um, simple materials, you know, concrete blocks and simple concrete slabs or, you know, big squares. Um, they're quite large, actually. They're not huge, but, you know, for a family of two or three people, they're, they're you know, look comfortably um, large. And they have typically one story. Um, and what else? So, yeah, when we got to Bokhtar, um, it was quite different than um than Dushan Bay. Um for one thing, um there were, you know, there were no high rise buildings. This is a much smaller city. Um there were a lot of Russian soldiers there. Um they to me looked to be um pretty happy to be there. I suppose they were happy that they were not, you know, elsewhere fighting. Um who wants to be in a war? Um other things um in that we noticed that I noticed in Bokhtar. Um the city was very decorated, um, not in a really obvious way, but um, any building that you saw, even simple ones and poorer ones, um, had some kind of metal decoration on them. You know, they took simple materials like thin iron rod um, or steel rod and bent it into shapes, um, you know, flowers and things. Um, and I lived for a while in Russia and in Ukraine, and you could see there, you could see in the windows, for example, they would uh, make very simple designs of like a sun or something made from, you know, um, pieces of metal. This was more complicated um, than that. And you could also see that on the sides of the buildings, they often had kind of interesting patterns. And these were sometimes buildings that were built a long time ago or more recently. Um, and uh, the hotel, yeah, wow, when we first got there, we went into the hotel, 
and it was quite cold inside. Um, it was maybe, you know, 10 or 11 degrees. Um, the service there was not too friendly. Um, there was a portrait of the president, Emom Ali Rahman, and um, actually you saw this guy a lot. Um, it's taboo to talk about him uh, or to say anything bad about him. Um, you can see pictures of him really almost everywhere. This is not Turkmenistan or North Korea. It's not that extreme, but you see pictures of him, including in private places, um, which surprised me a little bit. Um, and when I went later in Dushanbe to the um, like the souvenirs market, um, they were selling. Some people were selling very big carpets with a you know picture of this guy on them. And so back to the hotel though. Um, it was quite cold. Um, the bed was you know was reasonably comfortable, but it was a, a simple place. Um, and I it was cold enough that at night you know I would sleep with socks and jeans and shirt and winter jacket and even a hat on. It just was not warm enough in there. And this was the supposedly the nicest hotel in the city, um, which should does does not really reflect on the quality of the rest of the stuff in the city because there were some um, new restaurants and and uh, cafes and things there that you could see. So. Um, the food there also. So the first time that we, um, when we first arrived, um, it was, uh, it had been quite cold in the mountains and when we stopped, we couldn't get the trunk of the car open to pull our bags out. So we had to take some boiling water and pour it onto the lock to melt the ice and open the lock. But, um, afterwards, you know, we put our bags in there and we went to lunch and we ordered, um, some chicken. I should say we ordered a chicken because when they brought the food out um, it was just a chicken that had been cooked um, and it looked you know very natural there's a lot of fat in it probably wasn't super healthy but it was very flavorful and you know being from the United States a lot of the food here unless you really search for really organic stuff it does not have a lot of flavor so it was really you know amazingly um, you know tasty uh, meat that we had um, we also had some lemon tea and that is lemon tea is the most common drink um, that you have at um, lunch and dinner um, I took a walk around the city um, the night before we were supposed to leave and um, I saw a very large building. It was the end of a park um, with a monument there. All of the stuff was in Tajik, so I couldn't really read um, any of what was written there or understand it. But at the end there was of the park, there was a um, very large building, very well illuminated, lights shining on it from all sides. It had a big, tall fence around it with um, sharp points at the top. And I thought, this must be like an opera house or something. It's such a beautiful building. But I thought, but why why this fence? Why would you protect an opera house? And I asked someone later, and I was told that this was actually a government building. Now, if you were in um, you know, a rich country and you saw a building like this, it would be kind of the government showing you that, look, you pay us tax money, and then we do something useful with it that you couldn't probably do. We'll build you this opera house or this museum. But actually, this was just a government building, and it gave a very different feel. It was more like, well, you give us the tax money, and we build this monument to ourselves, the government. Um, so it showed that there's, you know, a very different um, structure to society there, um, which, you know, is pretty obvious. It's a much poorer country than, um, you know, even Moldova, which is the poorest country in Europe. Um, so we spent a few days there. Um, actually, it was about five days interviewing high school kids. Um, and 
after that, um, we drove from Bokhtar to Kulob. Um, so this time the mountains were quite a bit higher. And um, when you get to higher altitudes, the you know agriculture stops, and you see people you know shepherding goats and sheep and things, and you understand that you know the economy, um, a lot of it is based on animals eating grass, and you know the grass um, or the animals converting the grass into milk and meat. Um, you do see, of course, outside products. This is not, you know, ancient times. You see um, some simple stores with a very simple selection of products, probably most of them local. Um, and you do see, do see a lot of Russian cars, a lot of them new driving around, which um, isn't too surprising because actually about 30% of Tajikistan's GDP um, comes from money sent home from workers who are in Russia. And some other countries as well, but mainly Russia. Um, so, you know, you have these these really poor places up in the mountains um, with very simple, very small houses at times. And at the same time, you can see new Russian cars driving around. Um, up in the mountains, we could see that there was um, some gas that was being exploited, you know, that was being gotten out of the ground. Um, but it was didn't look like a major, major industry. Um, Every place that we drove, um, we saw lots of flags. Um, you would, you know, drive past something, uh, you know, near a, um, a small hill or something, and there would be a, a row of maybe a hundred small flags, Tajik flags there. Um, and so, yeah, after we did this drive, it was actually a pretty long drive. It was maybe 170 kilometers from Bukhtar to Kulob, and... Um, Kulob, well, it was a very different city. You could feel that it was much poorer than Bokhtar. Um, it was, you could really feel the, you could feel the proximity, the closeness of Afghanistan um, because of the, the way the people dressed. Um, this is south-central um, Tajikistan, um, Kulob. Um, the way people dress, especially women, you could see these really light-colored purple fabrics with sparkles in them, and more of the women were covered, um, their faces were covered, although not many of them. Um, the restaurants were a lot simpler, and the restaurant that we ate at one night, um, it was kind of smoky inside, um, and uh, it was a typical restaurant because, or a traditional one, because um, instead of sitting at a table like you do in European restaurants, you have like a long platform that is most of the length of the restaurant, and then that platform is divided into sections by by curtains, like a very big curtain um, that you know separates the different um, tables that you sit at. And the tables are very low. You climb up onto the platform, and then you have these tables, and the table is maybe you know 30 centimeters high, and you sit on it on your butt, and um, you sit there, and you pull another curtain closed so that people cannot see you eating. Apparently, in Tajikistan, it's very rude um, and uh, to watch other people eat, and it's very unpleasant when people watch you eat. Um, so, um, an interesting thing about um, Kulop was that about every third business on the street was a pharmacy. Um, I'm not being metaphorical here. Literally, every third business was a pharmacy. Um, I had to get something from them, and there was not a huge selection in there. Um, to this day, I still don't understand how it was that, you know, there were so so many pharmacies there. Um, 
So I mentioned earlier that um, the economy in Tajikistan, that about 30% of it um, is from people sending money home from Russia. Um, another 40% of it, approximately, is actually drug trade. Um, and so Tajikistan is not in a really lucky position geographically. It's it's landlocked. It has no um, no you know no ocean or sea next to it. Um, to the south is Afghanistan. Um, this is not you know a really rich place. Um, so it takes advantage of the fact that it's next to Afghanistan, where a lot of um, poppies are grown. Poppies are flowers that are used to make heroin, and then that goes um, through Tajikistan and into other countries, uh, former Soviet countries. Um, that's all obviously black market. Um, most of the rest of the economy um, is cotton and aluminum. There's um, other agriculture as, agriculture as well. Um, if you are middle class in Tajikistan, by Western definition, um, you almost definitely are working for a Western non-governmental organization like the Red Cross or um, maybe the United Nations or something like this. Um, so some other questions. What are the main languages that are spoken in Tajikistan? Well, obviously Tajik, but um, Tajik, the official Tajik that is taught in universities, for example, is um, very similar to the um, language spoken in Iran. But um, it has, you know, more Russian vocabulary in it. And once you get outside of Dushanbe um, into smaller cities, you have a mix um, of different dialects that are, you know, largely the people can more or less understand each other. Um, now, in the eastern half of the country, a, another Persian language, language in the same family, is spoken, but it's quite different, apparently. It's about as different as, for example, um, say, Polish and Russian. So, you know, it's got some similarities, but the people will not understand each other. Um, the eastern half of the country, which I did not have the fortune to visit, was, um, according to the people that I, I talked to that had visited it, um, is extremely different. Um, it is almost raw nature in a lot of places. And to go there, you have to get a special permit, um, and you're only allowed to stay there for um, a limited number of days. Um, so what else? So other languages. Okay, obviously Tajik. Um, Russian is um, another language that most people speak. You can go into even, you know, um, these these places like Bokhtar and Kulob and, and meet kids from the countryside um, who speak Russian. And there, you do meet people, um, young people who do not speak Russian. You can meet older people also who do not speak Russian. Um, but probably I would say, even in the countryside, I would say about two out of three people speak some Russian, enough to have, you know, a basic conversation. And a lot of people speak it much better. Some people even um, that I interviewed named Russian as their first language, which um, was a little bit surprising. Um, English is obviously the most taught foreign language, although Chinese is becoming more popular. I met a few people who were learning Chinese. Um, and the level of English in Dushanbe, um, it was hard to say because I generally spoke Russian with people. I, um, in you know, getting in a taxi or something, I would you know say a few words of Tajik. I don't know Tajik, but I would say thank you and learned a few, a few numbers and small things like this. Um, 
it, Tajik is distantly related to um, languages like English and German and Slavic languages like Polish and Ukrainian and Serbian and Russian and so on and Belarusian, um, but very, uh, very distantly. So, you know, it's not an easy thing to learn, and there's not a lot of textbooks for it. You can't really buy many textbooks um, or resources for it. Um, so, how is the food? Um, as I mentioned earlier, the um, food was really natural. Um, the ingredients were just really fresh. Often the um, the recipes were pretty simple, but the ingredients were so fresh and so good that it was some of the best food that I've eaten in my life. In Kulop, this um, relatively poor city, um, we went to a cafeteria-type restaurant and had some soup, um, and it was honestly the best soup I've ever had. Even the potatoes had flavor in them. I mean, it was really just delicious. Um, another, um, so the main dish, the main um, dish that people eat at breakfast and lunch is um, rice pilaf in Russian plof. Um, and wow, the lunches that you get. You go into a, um, a very simple restaurant that looks like a converted um, part of a school or something or just a random building, and they're making, you know, fresh, um, fresh rice pilaf. And you get this rice pilaf with carrots and some meat on it. You get some kimchi. Kimchi has become popular in Tajikistan in the past 10 years or so. Um, you get a big pot of lemon tea, and you get some um, pieces of, you get some round loaves of bread fresh from the oven. And it's really, really tasty bread. The whole thing, all together, like $3.50. I mean, if you're traveling there, it's extremely cheap. Um, I should mention that um, the scenery, driving in the mountains, um, city to city, was extremely beautiful. I mean, the mountains were just absolutely stunning, and the roads were beautiful. And as I was, you know, driving in this car with my interview partner, um, I thought this would be a really amazing place to do a bicycle tour. Um, the drivers could be dangerous, but then I remembered something um, from a... Um, Facebook group that I was in some years ago, 2017. It was a group for um, adventure cycling, you know, people going in Africa and Central Asia and South America and, you know, everywhere. Um, and in 2017, there was an incident where um, someone in the Pamirs, that's the eastern part of the country, it was an Islamist um, driving and he saw some cyclists and he just, he just killed them. Um, and the local people um, put up a monument with the, the bicycles of these these poor people, um, and the person who did it was put in jail for life. And sadly, that really ended um, adventure cycling in Tajikistan. But we should be clear: Tajikistan is a really safe place overall. Um, walking on the streets at night in Dushanbe, I felt no danger. Um, my director, country director, had lived um, in the region or in Tajikistan proper for. You know, since 2008 or 2009, and he said that during that time, the worst thing that had ever happened to him or his wife was that somebody stole his telephone. He left it in the taxi, and the taxi driver took it. Um, property crime, low. Violent crime, low. Um, this is a safe place, honestly. Um, incidents like the one I mentioned are not common um, at all. Um, also, um, what do people drink alcohol? Um, well, walking down the street, you will never see anybody who is drunk. Um, if you did, that person would be, um, you know, 
absolutely shamed. It is totally unacceptable to be drunk on the street. However, I talked to people um, who'd lived there for, for a while, and they told me that alcohol is a problem. Um, in fact, when people drink, they drink at home. Um, so that if they get drunk, you know, nobody on the street sees them, and this, the secret stays inside the family. Um, another thing that people don't do on the street is they do not throw trash. Even in these poorer cities um, and villages that we drove past, you did not see any trash on the ground. The place was very clean. Um, and I really respected that, you know, that the, the people did not have a ton of money, um, and maybe the trash collecting services were not super effective, but the people themselves took responsibility for keeping the place really clean. Um, did anything interesting happen um, while I was there? Yes. Um, while I, towards the end, when I was in Dushan Bay, um, I saw an, an old woman who was nearly blind walking down the street, and she was trying to go to the pharmacy. Um, the streets were totally covered in ice. The sidewalks were covered in ice uh, almost completely. And so I kind of took her by the arm and walked her to the pharmacy, and I felt really bad for her that there was no support for her. Um, apparently she had no family, and at a certain point she, she refused my help. I think she was embarrassed that I was taking um, taking uh, you know that much time to help her. Um, but this is a quite a you know, quite poor country, um, if we're looking at, um, you know, income per person, it's poorer in, uh, than some countries in um, sub-Saharan Africa, so black Africa. Um, but there's an important difference. It does not have diseases like malaria. Um, and uh, the people were extremely friendly, extremely hospitable, and one of the um, regrets that I have is that I did not ask people to um, take me to a village so I could explore the inside of a village and talk to people and maybe go into someone's house because these people will invite you into their house and you know give you tea and give you food and so on and and have a conversation with you it's part of their culture to be extremely hospitable um, I also would love to go back to the eastern part of the country the Pamirs that I mentioned where there is um, all this this tourism uh, well limited tourism. There's all this raw nature, you know, untouched nature um, to see and where you need to get a permit to go. Um, it is difficult to get there um, in the winter and the roads are not great. Um, the interviewer, the American interviewer who was there before me had a story that um, there was an avalanche. Um, there was a, a bunch of rocks fell onto the road and all of the men had to get out of the bus and pick up the rocks off of the road and, and you know, so they could continue driving. Um, so that is my impressions from Tajikistan. I had a really great time there, um, and it was one of the best decisions I've made in the past 10 years. Like I said, the food was really great. Um, vegetables and fruits were really fresh. Oh, there was one dish before I end. Um, there was a dish that they had. It was called kurotob, and it is made out of fried pieces, um, thin pieces of fried bread, and then on top of it, they put salty yogurt, and on top of that, they put um, sesame oil. Sesame is those um, little seeds that you see on the hamburger bread. They kind of look like a teardrop, very small seeds. So they put sesame oil um, on the top of this yogurt, um, some pieces of carrot, and some peppers. And um, it was a huge portion. Oh my god, the bowl! The bowl that they served it in was about as wide as my shoulders. I mean, and it was unthinkable to me that someone would eat this in one sitting. 
Um, and I took it home, and it, you know, I ate it, it cold over the space of several days. I actually liked it a lot better cold. Um, so that is all for Tajikistan. Um, I hope you liked my telling, and that's all for this week. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you have more questions about Tajikistan and my experiences there, um, leave your comments and questions below. I'd love to, um, to talk more about this country. Thank you, and see you next Monday.